This morning, we just want to say 
you are faithful you are wonderful you are beautiful we want to say the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous like us run to that name and we are saved glorify yourself this morning edify your people this morning let the name of the lord be lifted up in our midst in the name of jesus let every distraction be dispelled and be done away with this morning in the name of jesus may our hearts receive your word in the name of jesus father i thank you for the articulation of your words and i thank you for the simplicity of the message to the glory of your name and the shame of the devil lord we thank you lord we give you praise in jesus name we pray Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. This year, we have been talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in the penultimate message. I spoke about the Holy Spirit leading us by the word of God. Leading us into all truth. Last week, I spoke about the leadership of the Holy Spirit by the inward witness. That when you want to do something, you have the light bulb goes off in your heart. You It's just like... A knowing, a velvety like knowing in your spirit that gives you the go ahead to go. And I said that stop sign or the red sign or the green light that you get from the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of God leading you. Because the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, today I will be talking about how peace from God is a way in which the Holy Spirit leads us. Today's message is titled. Peace, not fears. So one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit leads us is through the pathway of peace. Now, you have heard before that the name of the Lord is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. Now, it is surprising to know that this name of God, Jehovah Shalom, was first used in the book of Judges. And it was the word the name, sorry, that was used by a man named Gideon. It was a name that he used to describe God. When God, through the angel, appeared to him and gave him a mandate to be the one that would deliver Israel from the hands of their enemies. The enemies in this, in this point in time were the people called the Midianite. So, it's instrumental to know that Gideon called God the name Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. But why did Gideon use this name? Why did Gideon choose to call God the Lord is peace? Well, in this same chapter where Gideon called God Jehovah Shalom because God gave him peace, it's instrumental to know that in this same chapter was a chapter where Gideon also introduced what it's commonly known in among in among Christians or in the Christian circles as throwing fleeces or casting fleeces. What this means essentially when we talk about throwing fleeces or casting fleeces is when God has asked us to do something and we ask for a supernatural sign before we know it is the will of God. So as a matter of fact, a lot of people when we are believing God for something, we say, Oh God, if it is your will, let so so and so happen. Now under the old covenant, it's okay to do that because they did not have God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of them. Under the old covenant, there are three categories of people 
that have the Holy Spirit um, coming on them. The king, the priest, and the prophet. The king, the priest, and the prophet. Those three roles will have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost might come on them and then it will go away. It will come on them for, his, for service and it will go away. God never lived inside anybody under the old covenant. Not one person. But under the new covenant, God lives inside of us. The spirit of the most high God lives inside every single believer. So, under people who are, for people who are under an inferior covenant, like the old covenant, they might throw fleeces. And God in his mercy will meet them at that point because they don't have his spirit living inside of them. They are like outsiders trying to access the, 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 the blessing of God. But under the new covenant, God lives inside of us. So, whilst it might be okay under the old covenant to throw fleeces and ask for supernatural signs and say, Lord, if it's your will, let the rain fall today. It is wrong theologically under the new covenant to cast fleeces or to throw fleeces as a way to determine the direction that God is leading us. If you ask for a sign, as a confirmation of what God has already told that you already believed. That's a separate thing. But if you're saying, unless God shows me this, that's when he proves that God has sent me. Then we are going down a dangerous path. So in order to understand what these fleeces mean, let's look at some example of, of a fleece. For example, if you say, oh God, let's say you're believing God to marry somebody. And let's say the guy's name is Joe. You said, if Joe sends me a card in the next six hours, then I will know that God wants me to marry Joe. That's a fleece. Or if you say, God, if you want me to choose that job, let it rain by 6 p.m. tonight. That's a fleece. Or you might say, God, if you really want me to change my jobs, please let the phone ring at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's a fleece. Now, these things sound funny. I might even sound petty. But you can take this and apply it to different areas of your lives of your life, sorry, where you have said, God, if it's your will, let this happen. God does not want us to throw fleeces or to live by fleeces. He wants us to be led by the peace in our heart. God never said, as many as are led by fleeces are the children of God. No, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we are not meant to be led by signs. We are meant to be led by the Spirit of God who lives inside of us or by the word of God, or by that inward witness. Why is this important? You see, some years ago, maybe about 20 years ago now, or 25 or 30 years ago, I remember a time when there was a lot of um, fear among the Christendom, like, oh, if the rapture happens, I'm not going to go. Or somebody will say, can you see the sign in the sky? You know, the sign of a hand. The sign of a hand is, is in the sky. So, God is about to come or something is about to happen. Or somebody will say, oh, they saw a dream. They had a dream and somebody went to hell or somebody went to heaven. All kind of stuff. You know, that people say, this is what happens. And at times, when you listen to some of these supernatural experiences that people have had, if you're not careful, they either will create fear in your heart or will begin to supplant the word of God. It's essentially, you end up being led by visions or being led by somebody who has had a, an out-of-body experience and say, that is God. In the realm of, in the spiritual realm, you know, demons are there too. 
the, the devil can give you a dream. The devil can give you vision that you think it is coming from God. That's the reason why the sure way not to miss God is to be led by the Holy Spirit or be led by the Word of God. If, like I said last week, if you if you don't have this inward witness, you don't know what it looks like or what it sounds like. Just take the Word of God. Just take what has God revealed in His Word and just stay by it. You cannot go wrong with the Word of God. You cannot go wrong with the promises of God. Does that make sense to you now? Now let me show you how Gideon. This is incidentally the, the one that said Jehovah is my peace or Jehovah Shalom. Incidentally, how he cast fleeces or he threw fleeces um, after God has told him what to do. He will say, asking, if it is you, Lord, do this and do that. And how it is wrong for us to do that. Let's go into the book of Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 24. And then we're going to read Judges chapter 6, verses 36 to 40. So I'm going to skip through it. And, and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to step through each line and just put some explanation if, if, if it's required so I don't have to read it twice. And then uh, we'll deep dive into the rest of the, of the session. So, Verse 11, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belong, belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. So this guy, Gideon, came from the smallest family in the whole of Israel. And now, Normally, when you thresh wheat, you should thresh it in the open so that the sun will beat on the wheat and dry it up and you can pack it and put it in the storage. But this guy started threshing the wheat in, in on the ground because the Midianites were oppressing the entire Israelite. And therefore, they have no freedom, you know, to do things openly normally the way they would do it. So this guy was hiding the threshing of the wheat on, on the floor. So imagine imagine you're living under an oppressive environment where everything is so oppressive, you can't do things freely. And you are just trying to go about your business, but you are hiding to do it. Imagine the mindset you have, the mindset of fear, the mindset of lack, the mindset of frustration. This was what Gideon was going through. Then the angel of the Lord in verse 12 appeared to him in that mindset and said, mighty hero or mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Ha! Think about that. This man was going through a tremendous experience where on the, in the natural, things that were happening in the society where he lives um, didn't, didn't look like God was with him. But the angel came and said, God is with you. The angel came to tell him and said, God is with you. That, that God is with you. Gideon, God is with you. So because the angel came to tell him, God is with you. And when he looks at the natural, he says, can God be with me when all of this is going on? And that's exactly what he said. He said here in verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us, brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You know, people of God. If you're going through a challenge right now and the devil is whispering to your, to your heart to say, the reason why you're going through this challenge is because God has abandoned you. I want you to know that statement is coming from the pit of hell. You know, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, the Bible says, As he not said to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, I will not lose my grip on your life. That's what the Bible says. God is saying to you, no matter what you go through, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 8, I believe in verse 35 says, what shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? But nothing shall separate us. Nothing is able 
to separate us from the love of God as in Christ Jesus. So if you're going to a challenge right now, and the devil is whispering to your heart, it's, oh, the reason why you're going through this is because God has left you, or God has left, abandoned you, or God has left you alone. I want you to know, that's a lie from Peter Fell. All right? So, verse 14. The Lord turned to, the, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. God says, I am sending you. Through the angel, God said to you, God says to Gideon, I am sending you. Now, look at Gideon. Gideon said, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. So, I'm the smallest in the smallest family, in the smallest clan in the whole of Israel. So, I'm the tiniest guy here. How could you send me? How can you say, oh, you are the one that will rescue Israel? It's not possible. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. You know, wasn't that the same word that God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse verses 8 to 9. God says, I will be with you. No, Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. God says to Joshua, the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. It seemed to me that that statement, I will be with you, is the statement that God says to us all the time to say, I am with you. I am with you. I am more than enough. I am with you. I will never leave you. I am more than enough. I am with you. I am with you. I am bigger than the problem. I am with you. I am with you. I will never leave you. I am with you. I, will, I am with you. You will never be stranded. I am with you. I am with you. I will never abandon you. I am with you. I am with you. I am here with you. And one with me is a majority. That's a word for somebody right now. You are going through a challenge. You thought there's no way out. And God God says, sends me to tell you, I am with you. I am with you. Praise God. God is with you. God is in you. God is for you. Hallelujah. The Bible here says, God says, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting against one man. Whoa. God says to him, the kind of victory you are going to have, the kind of victory that you are going to have, they might come in hordes. God says to tell you, the kind of victory you are going to have is like if you are fighting against one person. They might come like 10,000 of them against you, but you are going to win like you are fighting against one man. That is my prayer for you in the name of just christ because christ has won the victory at calvary's hill when you go through the challenge the spirit of god the power of god will cause you to live an overcoming life in the name of just christ you are going to come out on the other side as an overcomer praise god forevermore amen now gideon replied if you are truly going to help me show me a sign to prove that it is really the lord speaking to me don't go away until i come back and bring my offering to you he answered, I will stay here until you return. Verse 19, Gideon hurried up. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in the basket and the broth in the pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the lord disappeared now that was the proof that god is sending him now listen under the new covenant he doesn't need this now let me just rephrase that under the new covenant god will speak to you in your heart god will speak to you in your heart it is no wrong um 
to get confirmation. Maybe somebody comes and again, God has been talking to you, and somebody comes in and give a a, a a prophetic word. But that prophetic work is confirming what God has told you. You are not seeking a sign to say, oh God, are you really sending me? I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, oh God, if it's you sending me, let this happen by nine o'clock in the morning. No, then that is tempting God. That's the thing that's saying you don't believe what God has said to you in the, in the, in the beginning. But let's say, for example, you're trying to go. Uh, somewhere you have this impression in your heart, right? And without telling anybody, somebody just comes to tell you, you are not saying, God, if it is you, do this and do that, do that. No, maybe you just sit down by, by yourself. Somebody came and gave you a word that confirms what God has told you. You will have the confirmation will hit you here. That's the way you're going to feel when you hear that word coming from somewhere else because it's witnessing to what God has already told you. Like, I'll give you an example. Like when we went to move back to Nigeria in 2017, I believe, I was flying over Estonia, I believe, I was flying over Estonia, and I just had this impression that we should go back home, we'll take the children back home. And um, I just came to myself, I was praying about it, I was praying about it, I was praying about it, you know, just if I this, you let me know, I was just praying about it, you know, I just had this impression in my heart, you know, and then when I got back home, um, we just were just having an off-court conversation, my wife just brought the, the point, we'd never spoke about it before, she brought the point, I said, ah, Baby, I just thought, I've been, I've been having this feeling that we should go back to Nigeria, you know. And as she said it, it just resonated in my heart like that. So what she said to me was a confirmation of what God already revealed to me in my heart. And within, uh, I think it was three months or four months thereafter, we packed our bags and we went to Nigeria. So that way I got, it was a confirmation of what God has already told me. But you know, I wasn't, when I was flying over Estonia, I wasn't saying, Lord, if it is you that is sending me, that is actually bringing this to my, into my heart. When I get home at 10 o'clock in the morning, I just call me and the first thing she will say to me is this. You know, that's like, mm, you know what? Yeah, just be careful there. So essentially what I'm trying to say to you is that we should not put our fleeces as a means of hearing from God. When even when the prophecy comes, the prophecy should be confirming what God has told you. And when the prophecy comes to you, it will resonate in your heart. You will the light will go off and that. Yeah, that's what God has told me. It will be a confirmation. How that makes sense. So I'm not against confirmation of um oh wait, it's not even me about me. The Bible is not against confirmation of what God has revealed to you, being confirmed by another person. But it's not saying you should be going to seek sign as a means of you hearing from God. No, the word of God should be enough. The ministration of the Holy Spirit in your heart by the inner witness should be enough, right? And the peace of God, which is what I'm teaching about today, is the litmus test. How you know that the Spirit of God is living is by the peace you feel in your heart. How that makes sense? All right. So in verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace, or Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in opera in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. Okay, so this is the first time the name Jehovah Shalom was mentioned in the Bible. Now, the question now is, Gideon, on the back of this encounter, went out and pulled down the altar of Baal. Baal was the god that his family people were worshipping. He's like, like an idol. He went in and pulled down the altar of Baal. He, he called the children of Israel to arms. And then this Midianite rose up to come and fight them. Now, before I go on, notice that what the Lord did here by sending him 
by burning up the sacrifice was a way of confirming to him that I am sending you. And that ought to be enough. But when we come back into verse 36, when the Midianites now, the enemy now rose up to fight Gideon, something happened. Gideon started to say, Oh Lord, if it is you that is sending me to do this. Let's look at what he said. Verse 36, Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand. But God already said, God already said in verse 16, I will be with you. You will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God already said that. And he said, If you will indeed save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. That's what he asked. He said, God, you know what? Put the I'm throwing the fleece like a cloth here on the ground. Let let the dew fall on the cloth and every other area be dry. If I see that, I will know that you're sending me. And the grace of God made it happen. Verse 38. It was so. When he wrote when he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Whew, look at God there. God put the God got the fleece to be so wet. That in case you get it confused, like it's not just a trickle coming out. God ensure that the fleece was so wet that when he wrung the fleece like this, a bowl, a big bucket of water was filled with the water coming from the fleece. So without a shadow of that, you should know that it was God. But this guy, it was not enough. He went back to verse 39 and said, Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just one more. Please let me test you just one more. Let me test you just one more with the fleece. Let it be dry on the fleece only. And on the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only. And on the ground, there was dew. Now, see, honor the old covenant. Look at the grace of God playing there. God just wanted to save his people. And he was, he was, he condescended himself to the whims of this guy. But honor the new covenant. On a new covenant, where you have God living inside of us, it is dangerous to try to seek the will of God by throwing fleeces or by saying, Oh Lord God, I'm, if it's you, if it's you, let this happen. If it's you, let that happen. I can understand at times when you're trying to make a decision, maybe, Oh, you want to marry somebody or you want to, you know, get a new job, and you're saying, God, if it's you, let this happen. If it's you, let that happen. When you are growing the kingdom, maybe it's okay. It's never okay, but let's just say you you try that, but you are going down dangerous path because in the realm of the spirit, demons are there too. Demons can cause his uh, the devil can cause his demons to orchestrate things to show up, and you think it's God. And if you think it's God, you follow through. Nothing works because you are following the wrong path. That's the reason why that inward witness we must learn to train our heart. How do you train your your heart? Be still, be quiet. The Bible says, be still and know that I am Lord. Which means when you are quiet in your spirit, that's when you can hear the voice of God clearly. So, switch off social media, switch off your phone, spend some time alone in the morning, take a walk in the park, you know, take off distractions. When you take off distractions and you, 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 you do a lot of meditation, you meditate on the word of God. You know, you allow the word of God to paint pictures in your heart. Yet you will begin to hear God better than you used to hear God. The reason why you're not hearing God now 
it's not because God is not speaking. It's because we are so busy. There's, we, we get so distracted. You know, you jump on this social media today, then on our tomorrow. We can't even sit still as a people. You know, we're so much running around that we can't hear when God is speaking. It reminds me of a story that happened to you. I think it was Elijah. Then when he ran away from Jezebel, I think I spoke about it two weeks ago. And Elijah was running from, uh, 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 from Jezebel because Jezebel said, I'm going to cut off your head. Elijah ran, 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 ran. And the Bible said he was looking for God. But the Bible says, first there was an earthquake. Then there was thunder. But God was not in any of those things. Then, all of a sudden, there was a still, small voice. A whisper, as it were. And God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And that tells us a lot. That God is not loud. God is very quiet, speaking to your heart. So, if you, are, if you want to hear the voice of God, you have to learn to be still. Learning to be still means switch off or distraction. I remember in the eight days of Facebook, you know, I got distracted in the, uh, at some point along the way where I had Facebook on my phone and every now and then I'll be checking it. And God said to me, son, this is sucking your time. It's taking your time. It's distracting you. Delete it. And that's what I did. Up to today, I do not have Facebook on my phone. Deleted completely. The only way I get to go on Facebook is if I have to sit down at the computer, log on, post what I've got to post, and get out. I'm sure that recently now, WhatsApp is becoming a distraction for me. And along the way, I'm going to find a way to do it. Because obviously, I used to post stuff to the church members, but I've got to find a way. Because, you know, anything that takes so much of your time you know, from following God or spending time to hear the voice of God is a distraction. And you, you need to get rid of that. Okay, so... This guy, after God has shown him, demonstrated to him, I'm talking about Gideon now, that look, I've sent you. It, it was not enough for him. He had to say, Lord, give me other sign. Give me other sign. And when we live our lives based on sign from heaven, we will enter into the realm where Satan is as well. And the Bible said in the book of Revelation that the Antichrist, that is the person who is against Jesus now in the future. We even perform miracles in the sky, miracles on the earth. That if, if not because God shortened that period, even those who are elected like you and I will be deceived. Now, that says a lot. That speaks volume. You know what that means? It means... Signs of miracles is not a testament that God is there. Signs of miracle is not a testament that God is there. Somebody might be performing miracles and I'll be doing this and that and that. But God might not be there. What I mean by God might not be there is like they might not um, be doing the will of following the will of God. So for example, there are some new age people that perform, you know, they can do healing, they can do that, they can do that. But does it mean that they are calling Jesus? No. So basically what I'm trying to say is that let the Spirit of God in our heart guide us to know that we are following the truth. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Allow yourself to be persuaded in your heart that God is always for you. So Gideon here after the Lord has performed this miracle, he still wanted a sign. 
he was casting fleeces. Lord, if it's your will, do this. If it's your will, do that. Now, under the new covenant, God does not want you to do that. God wants you to be led by the Holy Spirit. And which way does the Holy Spirit lead us? Apart from the inward witness, apart from agreeing with the word, he also leads us by the way of peace. In John chapter 14, verses 26 to 27, Jesus Christ said this before he left. He said, but the Holy Spirit will come and help you because the Father will send the Spirit to take my place. The Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of what I said while I was with you. 27. I give you peace. The kind of peace only I can give. It isn't like the peace this world can give. So don't be worried or afraid. In the Passion Translation of that same text, listen to what he says. He says, I am telling you this while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of Holiness, the one like me who sets you free. Notice how that phrase, the one like me who sets you free. He will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word I've told you. Just listen, the Holy Spirit will inspire you to, Holy Spirit will inspire you to remember what? The word, which is what I expect, spoke in the first uh, lesson. The Holy Spirit will inspire you to remember the word. But what if you don't have the word stored in your mind? What will the Holy Spirit remind you of? Now, verse 27, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Instead, be courageous. Jesus Christ is saying, peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. What kind of peace is this? The peace of Jesus Christ or the peace of God. Now, this word peace is defined as irony. And irony means same thing as shalom under the Old Testament. And you know, in the simplest time, it means nothing broken. Nothing missing in your life. Now, I want to focus on the definition of irony for this text that lends itself to what we're talking about today. The definition of irony, which is peace, the peace of God, is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So, that tranquil state of a soul, the tranquil soul state of your mind, the peaceful state of your mind, that is assured of his salvation. So, when you have an assurance of your salvation in Christ, that state, the way your mind feels, the way your mind is, the way your mind is assured, oh, I am saved, I'm going to heaven. Everything that the Father has belongs to me. Everything is working in my favor. God is not at a distance from me. I am united together with Christ. God can never abandon me. God can never leave me alone. That assurance of salvation, this, the, 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 the state it produces in you is a state of peace. The Bible says peace is that tranquil state of a soul assured of his salvation through Christ. And this, this soul, this mind does not fear anything from God. And this soul lives a life of contentment. Do you, I hope you understand what I'm saying now. So, assurance of salvation essentially is one of the ways in which you know right, that the peace of God is in your heart. If you are not sure of your salvation, you cannot be at peace. That's why in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, now being justified by faith, 
we have peace with God. Once you know that you have been justified, that you have been made right with God, that God no longer sees you as an enemy, that you are a friend of God, that you are a child of God, that you are in the family of God. Once you believe wholeheartedly about this relationship that you have with God, the Bible says you have peace with God. You have this, this state of mind, this tranquility in your mind that says, no matter what happens in this life, I am coming out on top because God is for me. That is irony. That is what God, Jesus Christ said in that John, John chapter um, chapter uh, 14, that is living with us. That is the peace that is living with us. I hope you understand it now. Okay, so everything that God has done is doing it for the benefit of the church. Everything that God has done, he has done it for the benefit of the church. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, the Bible says, I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great is the power of God to help those who believe in him. God's power is there. As powerful as God is, his power is to help those of us who believe in him. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, By his divine power, this same power, the Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness, God has given to us. The power of God is there to help us. So why is this important? Because this will settle in your heart once and for all. That when you're going through a challenge or going through a problem, that God is there for you to help you. The purpose of God being there with you. The Bible says, I will give you the Holy Spirit who is going to help you. The Holy Spirit is our paracletos. So what is the will of God in any matter? That the Holy Spirit will lead you into the truth that God is for you. I want you to write that down. God in you wants the very best for you. Let's write that down. God in you wants the very best for you. The Spirit of Jesus that is in you is the Spirit of peace. That Spirit will produce peace in your life. The Spirit that produces peace in your life is the Spirit of God. And that Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus Christ said, I will give you the Holy Spirit, the one who is like me, who is going to help you. And then after he said that, he said, I will give you my peace. So, if Jesus Christ said, I will give you my peace, and the Holy Spirit is one with Jesus, it means the way in which Jesus Christ is going to give us his peace is through the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Jesus Christ says, I am going to heaven. But I'll pray the Father who will send to you the spirit of holiness. Who is like me? Who is going to do what? Set you free. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance everything I have taught you. That's what this guy said. Now, this guy is gone now. He's in heaven. Now, we have the Holy Spirit now on the earth. This guy said, I give you peace. Peace, I live with you. So, the peace that is given us, that is living with us, and since Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are one in essence, right? It means that peace that Jesus Christ has given to us is what the Holy Spirit is administering for us. So, the Holy Spirit, therefore, will never lead you to a place or to a situation that contradicts what Jesus Christ desires for us. Jesus Christ desires for us to have his peace, his irony. Therefore, one of the mandates of the Holy Spirit is to make that irony manifest in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of peace. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
the kingdom of God is in the realm of the Holy Spirit that is filled with peace. The Spirit of God produces peace in your life. That's why the Bible says that the fruit that the Spirit produces, the, the, the fruit that the Spirit produces is love, joy, peace. You see, peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So, the Spirit of God will lead you in the pathway of peace. The Spirit of God will tell you you're righteous. The Spirit of God will tell you peace is for you. God is not angry with you. And lastly, joy is in your life. So, God, through the Holy Spirit, is always leading us in the pathway of peace. That's the reason why the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and fringing and fawning fear, but he has given us. What has he given us? Spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Or what in this transition, the Amplified Version, it says, of a calm, well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So I get to think about this last part. Power, love, and a sound mind. What is sound mind? Well, if you go back to the meaning of peace, in irony, it says, the tranquil, the tranquil state of a soul, assured of his salvation through Christ, and so fear nothing from God. Now, the beginning of that statement, irony, means the tranquil state of a soul. What is soul? A soul is a mind. What is tranquility? Tranquility, tranquility means a mind, sorry, a tranquil state of a soul means a mind that is calm and well balanced. Tranquil means peaceful. So is the mind. So a tranquil soul is a is a mind that is at peace. So a mind that is calm, that is well balanced. So you might say, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 is like God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and peace. God has given us the spirit of peace. God has given us the spirit of peace. The spirit of peace or the spirit that produces peace or the spirit that leads us in the pathway of peace. Hey, that's so beautiful. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 says, God has given us the Holy Spirit. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God. We have received, not we are going to receive. We have received the spirit from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Now, what has God freely given to us? Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has given us the spirit of power, love, and of peace, or of sound mind. So, we have received the spirit of God, or the spirit from God, that is, spirit, that is the spirit of peace, or the spirit from God that produces peace in our life, in our lives. So, therefore, peace is the litmus test. Peace in our heart is the way in which God leads us when we are about to make decisions. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Let the peace of God, that inner calm of one who works daily with him, be the controlling factor in your heart. I want you to look at that. The peace of God should be the controlling factor in your heart. To this peace, indeed, you were called as member, as members in one body. And be thankful to God always. God essentially is saying here, you need to allow the peace of Christ, that inner calm, again, inner calm, that calmness of your mind, of the one who is working daily with God, to be the controlling factors in your heart. What does that mean, controlling factors? It means that peace should be the deciding and settling questions. It should decide and settle questions that arises, questions that arise in your heart. That's what the Bible essentially is. So when you are about to do something, is the peace of God guiding you? Are you aligned the peace from God and the peace of God to settle the matter in your heart? The other day I was reading a quote from Joseph Prince, and this is what he said. He says, my friend, 
The Holy Spirit leads us on the wavelength of peace. Sometimes, when you are about to do something, perhaps sign an agreement, plan a vacation, or take part in some activity, you might feel a lack of peace. If that happens, please stop and take time to pray about what you're about to do because the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the peace or the lack of it he puts in us. I want you to understand what he's saying. Peace is a litmus test. If you can't sense the inner witness, you can't be led by the word, which is what I genuinely ask you to follow, the peace of God will be litmus, litmus test. If you are losing peace about a business transaction, take a moment, step back, don't do it. Pray about it. Pray about it until you have a release, until that peace comes. If that peace doesn't come, don't do it. When there's no peace in your heart, it's time to, for you to reevaluate your decision and listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you in the pathway of peace. I'll tell you a story before we go. When we were about to move back to the UK, we went to Nigeria in 2017, came back in 2019. We were about to move back. And I, I was traveling a lot because I had this international job and I was moving from country to country. I was flying a lot. Anytime I come to the UK, at the time I was stay with my sister, at the time I was stay in a hotel. And people will ask me, my friends will ask me, so, oh, you guys want to come back, right? So where are you coming to? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. One day, five o'clock in the morning, the Lord told me and said, stop saying you don't know. I said, what? He said, stop saying you don't know. I said, why? He said, because your spirit man, the real you knows where you should go. So going forward, start to say, start saying, my spirit knows. Where are you going? My spirit knows. Where are you going? My spirit knows. Where are you going? My spirit knows. So I started saying that to myself. When the thought comes up in my heart, I will say, my spirit knows where we're going and it will be revealed to me soon. My spirit knows where we're going and it will be revealed to me soon. He just kept saying that. Then, guess what happened? One day, I came to the UK. I went to visit my brother-in-law. I said to me, ah, Uncle K, please, you know, you need to come to where we're staying. You know, you might not like it. It's like countryside. You might not really like it, but just come around and stuff. And then I went to see him pick me up. We're driving. I don't really know. I've never been to Oxford. I've never been to... No, I've been to Oxford before to come and do uh, a course at the University of Oxford. But I've never been to rural Oxford and all that. So, I came. And he said, oh, you know, you people like city life and all that. You might not like it. I said, let's just go. We came. He was living in a different part of Oxford. But he drove us. He wanted to drive into the school. You know, there's a private school, private Christian school that my children... You said the children can go to. So, we said, okay, let's go. So as we're driving, as we got into the town, the light bulb goes off. I just knew. I said, this is the place. He said, really? I said, yeah, this is the place. And I called my wife. I said, baby, we are, I found a town here that we're going to stay. And my wife knows me that I'm a city boy. You know, I love the city. I love the city. But as I got into that town, as we got to a traffic light, there's a way I felt inside. I felt the peace of God came inside my heart. I said, this is where we're coming. So that peace became the yastic. So now, but remember the word God told me. God says to me, stop saying you don't know. Start saying my spirit knows. So now, the moment I start to align my mouth to the reality of my spirit. Now, remember, in the natural, I do not know. In the, in the natural, in my mind, in my, with my head, I did not know where we we're going. I did not know where we should be going. I didn't know that. But God said, allow your mouth to start to say what is already true in your spirit? Oh, I don't know where you're getting it. You know, I was speaking 
the reality of what is true in the spirit that is not true in the physical. I was saying, my spirit knows where we're going. My spirit knows where we're going. Because the truth of the matter is, your spirit knows all things. You might be confused right now and say, oh, I don't know this, I don't know this. Everything is already revealed to your spirit. The problem is, how do you get this knowledge that is in your spirit into your mind so that you can act on it? That is where mind renewal comes to play. That's the reason why God calls those things that be not as though they were. That's the reason why if something has not manifested in your life, God says, say what you want. Don't say what you have. If you want something to manifest in your life, know that that thing that you want to manifest in your life is already real in the realm of the spirit. And how do you call something that is something that is in the realm of the spirit? How do you call it from the realm of the spirit into the realm of the physical? Is by saying it. Because that's the way God created the universe. The Bible said, let there be light. When God said, let there be light, was there light? No, there was darkness. But did God say there was darkness? No. What did God say? God said, let there be light. Why was that? Because God wanted light. So God said, let there be light. I call what I want. So what the lesson that God was teaching me that day was, say what you want. Call for the way you are going. Because it's already true in your spirit. So align, align your vocabulary with the vocabulary of the spirit. Because the spirit of God is already saying, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. This is where you're going. This is where God already knows. So when you start to say, I know where we're going. My spirit knows where we're going. I know where we're going. My spirit knows where, knows where we're going. You know what you're doing? You are aligning your vocabulary with the vocabulary of the spirit. Now, Amos 3.3 3 says, can two work together? It said they be agreed. When you start to vocalize what God has said about you, that is already true in your spirit, you are working together with God. And when you work together with him, it will fast track the manifestation of that which you believe God for. You know the story, the story in the book of John, I believe it's chapter 17 or chapter 20, I can't remember, when Thomas, doubting Thomas, we call the guy doubting Thomas, Thomas came up and said, unless the, the apostles, the disciples told Thomas that they've seen Jesus. Thomas was in there. And Thomas says to them, Unless I put my hand in the hollow of his hand or put my hand on, on, on his side and touch him and know that there's a gap there, I will not believe that the Lord has risen. And a week later, the Lord shows up in the room and says to him, Thomas, come, reach out your hand and touch me. And Thomas said, oh, oh Lord, oh, oh Lord, am I God. He, he said, oh Lord, my God, oh Lord, oh Lord, am I God. And God said to him, you have seen me. You have put your hands here and seen me. You've seen that it is I. He says, blessed are those who have not seen me, but believe, but believe. Essentially, God is saying to you, it is more blessed to believe before seeing than seeing before you believe. And that is the whole essence of being led by the Holy Spirit. When you are led by the Spirit of God, this will lead you to where your brain will, will contradict. Your brain will say, that doesn't make any sense. But will say, that's the way to go. So, the light bulb will go off or the peace will marinate your heart. Isaiah 26 verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on thee because it trusted in thee. Now, the word mind here has its root word in imagination. The text is saying, the Lord will keep you in perfect peace when your mind or imagination is stayed on him or is stayed on the promises of God. So when the bill is due, instead of focusing on the bill mounting up, let your imagination of imagine focus on the 
provision that God is your provider, that God will meet that need. When your imagination, the image you are forming in your mind focuses on God as your provider, then the peace of God will guard your heart. Because when your imagination focuses on who God is and his provision and his promises for your life, it means that you are putting your trust in him. The Bible says God is able to keep you in peace. Now remember, the Holy Spirit always leads us in the pathway of peace. So, but you have a responsibility. What's your responsibility? You need to keep your imagination on the provision, the promises, and the person of God. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on the person of God, the promises of God. And when you focus on him that way, peace will rule in your heart. The peace of God will just flow in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, because I ran out of time, yeah, I think I've got like two minutes left. Because I ran out of time, I want to show you this scripture is saying, don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, pray about it. Thank God in advance for it. Present your request to God, what you want, right? Then the peace of God will guard your heart. Essentially saying, you do what is in verse 6 in order for you to experience what is in verse 7. Now, please realize one thing. The peace of God is the pathway that the Holy Spirit will lead you when you want to make decisions, right? But in case your heart is all over the place and running all over the place and you are distracted, you are not at peace, First of all, don't be anxious. Know that God will come through for you in that matter. Pray. What kind of prayer? Pray the prayer of faith. The prayer that believes that you can have what you say. Pray that prayer. All right? Be thankful for God, to God, as you pray, because you know you have received it. Yeah, that's not manifested yet, but you think, Father, I thank you that I have received it. You pray that prayer. When you do that, because you are thanking God in advance for what you have not yet received physically, but you have received it in the spirit, the peace of God will flow into your heart. And that is how you keep your mind stayed on God. So, to allow peace in your heart, you must choose this approach. You must refuse to be anxious by allowing your imagination to be to focus on God. Number two, you must pray. Present your matter before God. But don't pray the problems. Don't say, oh God, I'm losing my home. No, pray the solution. Say, Father, I thank you that money coming to me in big quantities. Make that your declaration. Wait. Wait. To see the peace of God. Why? Because you are, you are, when you pray that prayer, when you pray the solution, you believe you have received the answer right there when you prayed. Because you know you have received it, there's a way you feel inside because you know you have received it. Yeah? And then wait for the presence of God. Sorry, the peace of God. As you stay your mind, your imagination on God, peace will just flow into your heart. And this peace now will guard your heart. It will guard your heart against anything fleecing you to guard your heart against anything fleecing you hallelujah praise god all right i ran out of time but i just wanted to know that um it's been a great time teaching you this series about how the Spirit leads you if this has been a blessing to you please share with other people that might that might benefit from this message let them know that throwing fleeces is an old covenant way of determining the will of god that the will of god can be determined in the new covenant by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can lead you by what? What the Word of God says. By the light bulbs. The light bulb, sorry, that goes off in your heart. Oh, you just see the light goes. Or the, fel- the velvety feeling that you feel on the inside of you. And obviously today, about 
you know, being led by God, um, by, by, you know, uh, you, you talk about the inward witness. Um, you're led by God by the peace, the peace that you feel, not in your head, but in your heart about any situation. Now, let that peace guard your heart. As we go, remember the scripture, Colossians 3, verse 15. You need to let the peace of God. You need to let it. How do you, need to, how do you let the peace of God rule in your heart? By staying your imagination on God and on his promises. You need to shift your attention from the problem to God and his promises. Let that, be, let that paint pictures of possibilities in your heart. Let that decide finality of any matter in your heart. When you do that, when you shift your attention and say, Father is my source, God is my source, this is going to come well for me, and you allow your imagination, imagination to focus on the different possibilities in which God can come through for you, and you stay there, the peace, will, the peace of God will, will, will settle the matter for you finally. Praise God. The Bible says this is the peace that you are called to as a member of the body of Christ. And when you do that, you are going to be thankful always. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your people. That Almighty God, your name will be glorified in their lives. As they live here, oh God, your peace is leading them, keeping them, helping them, and upholding them. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right. Until next time, remember, you are blessed and highly favored. Last year was good. The new year promises to be better. Happy New Year 2023. Thank you for your time and for spending part of your weekend with us, both our first-timers and our members. We have a weekly Bible hangout on Wednesday by 6 p.m. UK time, Saturday morning prayers by 6 a.m. UK time, and a Sunday service by 8 a.m. UK time. The replay of today's sermon would premiere on YouTube by 10 a.m. UK time. You can also listen to all our other sermons on our YouTube page. The Lighthouse Church recently started a winter charity fund to extend love to the needy. We appreciate your contributions, which can be sent to the account number 0564-1897, so code 087199, Cash Plus Bank. These funds will be used to purchase blankets, warm clothing, and other items. Your seed stone is blessed. When we give, we honor God. For love offering, you can give via PayPal by scanning the QR code on the screen or by making a bank transfer using the details 0564-1897, sort code 087199, Cash Plus Bank. This details is also displayed on the screen. Every first Wednesday of the month, we hold our Practicality of Grace program, which features discussions with guests. Here, your doubts are cleared to be free from the bondage of religion. What questions do you need answers to? You can send them to the live chat on the website at www.thelighthouse.org or you can send an email to lights at thelighthouse.org. Would you like us to pray with you? Kindly click on the link that pops up in the live chat and fill the form or you can visit our website at www.thelighthouse.org and fill the request form. Do you know you can now have a private session with Pastor Davis on Calendly? Visit the link on the website or in the discussion box and follow the instructions to book a session. Stay connected with us on our social media platforms. Kindly follow and engage with us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter with the usernames displayed on the screen. As you go this week, 
Remember, the Lord has given you stability and prosperity. Until next time, remain in your identity in Christ.